0: Adventures and Adventures in Topography.
1: Essentially, topography is really nothing more than the detailed study of place, an area or region or town, etc. A show that takes the listener on a
0: wayward topographical ramble around the margins of London. The walker at the edges of the city, the the liminal figure who is not so conceptual in his practice. Drawing on a rich tradition of old walking guides, maps, literature and ephemera, Nick Papadimitriou and John Rogers embark on a series of suburban perambulations and outer circle rambles.
1: I like those um, pre-moulded concrete pails that run along the river here, with the the mosses and uh, lichens growing on them. For me, such things are psychedelic. And welcome
0: to Ventures and Adventures in Topography on Resonance One Hundred Four Point Four FM. With me, John Rogers, and my co-host here, Nick Papadimitriou.
1: Good evening, Nick. John.
0: <laughs> Good evening, Nick.
1: How are you? I'm very well, thank you. And I've just about thawed out from our New Year journey to Ilford. Oh, you preempted
0: me there. i have written this sort of slightly stylish introduction to where we we're going today, which maybe I'll just do it anyway to see if we can get away with it. Uh, So you you will now be aware that this week's show is about uh, a trip to Ilford where we paid homage to the Eastern Queen, as it was christened in the 1920s. Uh, Partly inspired, in my case, by a book called uh, The Outer Circle, Rambles in Remote London which uh, is published in 1925 and written by a guy called Thomas Burke. has a wonderful chapter on Ilford, a place that he absolutely detests. But Nick, what was it that inspired you
1: to uh, want to go to Ilford as well? I have this uh, somewhat convoluted relationship with Ilford. My first exposure to the place was on a uh, journey down to Clacton-on-the-Sea in 1971 when we stopped at Ilford And I looked out the window of the train and thought, my God, what a schmurt, which is a Polish word for a dump. Uh, And I never returned until 2005 when I was developing my interest in topography. And I realised that three female poets came from Ilford. Ruth Pitter, Denise Levertov and Kathleen Raine, and this intrigued me, and I wondered what sort of landscape had given a rise to such a, a strong current current of poetry, uh, and so I returned, partly in order to uh, research something Kathleen Raine had written about in her autobiography, Farewell Happy Fields, which I may or may not go into later on in the programme. Well, I'll tell you what, could could we go into
0: it now? Because a running refrain on the field recordings was that you you would bring up Kathleen Rain's name and you go, but we'll go into that later. And we never did go into it, did we, in the end? Because we sort of gave up in Gants Hill which I think is um, something that possibly happens quite a lot when people find themselves in Gantz Hill.
1: But, um, yeah, we were diverted and uh, ended up walking through uh, Wanstead to Leytonstone um, and went home for tea and toast or something like that. That sounds the... very quaint, doesn't it? <laughs> but what, what really interested me about the place was uh, uh, Kathleen Rain was born midway between Ilford and Barkingside and... Uh, she describes how there was a pond in her back garden when she was a small child. She used to visit this pond every evening and a an octopus used to come up into the pond and take her by the hand and take her down into the depths of the ocean and they'd travel the oceans all night and then she'd be returned to her bed. Now, I wanted to find out where this pond was. So I visited Ilford, and with a bit of a uh, fairly shrewd topographic work and uh, looking at old maps, etc., looking into Kelly's directories to find out where the rains lived, I managed to find the pond, or I managed to get within about 20 yards of it. I ended up uh, down a, an otherwise uh, completely ostensibly dull suburban street looking through a gap between two houses, and I could see the pond in a dip in the back garden there. And I thought, my God, an octopus used to come out of the water there and take this young girl down into the oceans every night. And now there's a four-wheel drive uh, four-wheel drive car parked outside the house. Guy goes in, flicks on the telly, opens a can of beer, and is completely oblivious to the deeper mysteries of Ilford. Probably goes in and opens up a volume of the complete writings of
0: Kathleen Raine that was left behind, maybe. But well,
1: I don't know about that. I visited Waterstones and uh, they told me that uh, they had never sold. A volume by any of these poets and, and no, no, no one had ever ordered books by any of them either it seems to me that in some way uh, Ilford is oblivious to its poetic past Ah,
0: yeah What's the interesting about our experiences in Ilford I suppose to declare my other interest in Ilford is that uh, I, I live in Leytonstone I suppose as you will be aware if you heard the show where we uh, followed the Philly Brook through Leytonstone but what was uh, I found personally strange is that I never went beyond the eastern boundary of Leytonstone on Wanstead Flats it sort of seemed to be this almost a sort of invisible barrier when you get to the eastern edge of Wanstead Flats you, you come to the, the the magnificent gates of the City of London Cemetery which covers a vast area and then I always used to just sort of turn around and go in a different direction. Of course, if you do go beyond the, the boundaries of the uh, the great necropolis of the City of London Cemetery, you find yourselves in Ilford, which is a, a, a which is a major place. Ilford, isn't it? And it's a distinct entity. It's not another suburb of London. Um, and we found that when you go into the sort of topographical literature, nearly every one of the writers is quite disdainful about Ilford. Um, The one I mentioned earlier on, Thomas Burke Impossibly the most wonderfully named book I think we've ever mentioned on this show The Outer Circle, Rambles in Remote London Um, Hates it uh, And he says that he hates it um, In every paragraph, more or less And here is a reading From that book uh, By Le LePayne with music As is a regular feature now By Europa51
2: Ilford offers little to the Sojourner. It even taunts the eager appetite that he brings. It lacks meat. It has nothing for the voracious traveller to bite upon. Its tones are flat and wan. After Walthamstow, it comes as tepid soda water upon an August noon. Its sorrows and its joys alike seem attenuated. It has not yet found itself. It is uncouth, leggy, plagued with the humours of the gawk. It falls between the shirt-sleevedom of Peckham and the jigmanity of Eltham. It has neither the brisk self-respect of Brixton, nor the go-as-you-pleasery of Upton Park. Being so near the East End, yet of seemly aspect, it gives itself faint airs. This magnificent mixture of metaphors pleases me. It would like to date its correspondence from Ilford, Essex, instead of Ilford E. Against its unpolished neighbours of the E district, Oldgate, Barking, Stepney, Poplar, Canningtown, it is genteel. Against the wider states of Essex, it is ignoble. It is at once the patrician of the East End and the blunt democrat of Essex. It tries to look, especially at Cranbrook Park, as though it had been ravaged and brought within the borders of the East End under duress, and it does not succeed. Walthamstow is content with its lot. Ilford wears an expression of unfulfilled desire. It hungers for colour. Even the rush and turmoil about the Broadway have a frigid tone. Yet here, as at Walthamstow, the lilac was in bloom, Here were people buying beef and linen and bread. Here were trams and buses and fourth stars. All the external appointments that had rejoiced me in other places. What then was lacking that Ilford should miss the quality of its sister suburbs? I cannot tell. I am not good at subtleties. Make the journey and assure yourselves. I never saw people so half happy. From The Outer Circle, Rambles in Remote London, by Thomas Burke.
1: And at the uh, risk of rubbing it in a little bit at this stage, I must tell you what Kathleen Raine said about it in her autobiography, Farewell Happy Fields*. And I don't expect I'll approach the quality of reading that we've just heard from Haydee, but here (laughs) goes. Go for it. The sensibility of an artist or poet cannot grow in a mean underworld and in solitude. It is no wonder that in the Ilfords there are more who fear than desire the stirring of consciousness. Ilford, considered as a spiritual state, is the place of those who do not wish to or who cannot be fully conscious because full consciousness would perhaps make life unendurable. Um, But... Having laid it on a bit thick there, I'd say you and I both disagreed with that quite strongly, didn't we? We loved Ilford. We did love it, but I suppose what's interesting is is, Ilford is, is very much a suburb
0: of the early of the interwar years. That was when the most of the building went on in Ilford. It went pretty much from being a village to be in this really big, bustling kind of place that was built for a a, a, a mid-range suburb. I love that description of it, which I think is Village London, is it? A mid-range suburb for clerks and skilled workers, doubtless with its numerous chummeries. Which, is, which I love that, They're sort of boarding houses for bachelors of moderate means and social tastes. So I suppose when Kathleen Ray was writing, you would have been like this avalanche of red bricks would have suddenly just been tipped out onto the fields of Essex, of, of the cleared fields of Haynoult Forest.
1: Oh, certainly. I mean, uh, between, I think, 1891 and 1901, the, the population of... Ilford quadrupled, uh, mainly through cheap housing developments, and Kathleen Rain goes on at some length about how her beautiful um, Essex maidens, as she calls the elms of the area, disappeared and were replaced by cheap houses and sordid lives. Uh, But I I strongly disagree with Rain about her her view of Ilford. I I see Ilford, as we'll hear later, as a a visionary landscape, and I always find suburbs to be deeply mysterious, deep um, environments. Excellent. That
0: was certainly reflected in the the names of the cinemas in Ilford. Uh, They they have some of the best cinema names I've ever come across. There's one called the, uh, The Biograph, Oh. is that, I think that's my favourite cinema name I've ever heard. the Biograph, the Cinema Deluxe, and the Empire Kinema with a K. Mm. So they are obviously aspiring to a certain level of sort of continental sophistication in those early days in Ilford. I think what we should do now is, is head out to Ilford. Let's
1: get our boots mm. on. Let's
0: get our boots on and take a ramble over to the Eastern Queen and ignore Thomas Burke's advice that it's a fool's act to go to Ilford.
1: Is Romford Road an Old Roman Road? I'm 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 not not sure. It looks very straight, John. I'm not sure, but
0: there is is that belief that Ilford, where we're heading, is, uh, the etymology of it, is uh, Old Ford in Saxon.
1: I read that it was Ford over the Hyle, which was uh, an old name for the roding, or rodding, as some people call it.
0: (laughs) Old Ford. I, I love it. In a... Thomas Burke's um, Outer Circle Rambles no, the Outer Circle Rambles in Remote London that's what it's um, he says uh, on his trip to Ilford he says it's a fool's act to go to Ilford
1: well as we'll find out later the poet Kathleen Raine isn't too enamoured of to Ilford herself but I personally disagree with these people I think, I think Ilford is a visionary landscape and we'll be touching on that later on I hope Oh, well, we're about to cross the River Roding.
0: Which looks a bit grubby here, doesn't it? There remember you go, look at it, the River remember a sign there.
1: Remember with all the melting snow recently, the river's been in spate. So it's yeah. probably picked up a lot of loose mud. That's right. So I don't think it's grubby. I think it's probably um, just got a, a, a large suspension of, um, of um, soil in it at the moment.
0: Makes you, makes you wonder where the uh, the mills were. There were corn mills here, weren't there? I didn't know that. There were corn mills and there were wharfs at Ilford as well. Alright. and they used, to, they used to transport some of the wood out of the forest from Ilford. Notice the tributary
1: uh, coming yeah. out here. What
0: do you think that is, Nick?
1: Uh, I have no idea what the brook would be called, yeah. but we could find out with a bit of deft research I, I, and hopefully have the information by the time we're in the studio. I will make a guess though, which we can contradict in the studio. I guess that's the Aldersbrook. I think it's about time I picked you up and toppled you over into the river, John. Into the river <laughs> Rodding.
0: <laughs> it's interesting. Ilford Hill was a place where uh, travellers that were travelling out through the forest in the Middle Ages would stop very close to where we are now, at the shrine over here, St Mary and St Thomas.
1: Oh right. St Thomas, is that why the building down there was called Beckett House? Is that a reference to Thomas of Beckett? Yes, The is. St Thomas is the St Thomas of
0: Canterbury, yeah. Would you, Adam and Eve? This was a, a leper hospital.
1: That's got flats.
0: Yeah. It was a a leper hospital. Was it really? And uh, there's a story of Queen Maud coming out here to wash the feet of lepers. Right. Look at that though, Nick. The the bell tower on this old chapel. (laughs) 12th or 11th century chapel. The bell tower is framed by this dirty great skyscraper which is going up behind it.
1: Yeah, I prefer the skyscraper to be honest. (laughs) I do.
0: Well, I suppose they're both praying to, or dedicated to uh, one one god or another, yeah. It's
1: a fine high street, isn't it? It's Vibrant, sort of cluttered, um, but with a a lot of 50s, I think because of the rocket bombs in the Second World War, a lot of it is 1950s, with that kind of um, deep, you know, quite colourful panelling around. 1950s style crittal windows made in Coggeshall in Essex.
0: It's a a fine high street and it was the high street that was one of the things that when people were very critical of it, like in Village London and like Thomas Burke, it was the high street that they singled out for criticism.
1: Yeah, but you know, he's the precursor of the notorious psychogeography sneer, isn't he? (laughs) You know, this place is a dump. He's the, he's the uh, proto psychogeographical sneer. I think the broad distinction between psychogeography and deep topography is that at heart, psychogeography is Christian. It's always dealing with the, the notion of fallen man in his dumpy landscapes, whereas deep topography is essentially tantric. It sees, a, it sees a kind of joyful sexuality in all things, even sewage farms. In fact, particularly sewage farms. I, I can't
0: comment on that. Nick, here's some of the buildings that Thomas Burke would have seen. He thought it was really noisy, but also he he said it had a very disappointed air about it. I love the way Thomas Burke says that Ilford um, wears an expression of unfulfilled desire.
1: Perhaps we could ask some of the populace. It's, uh, It's uncouth, leggy played with the humours of the gawk. Leggy. I don't think it's leggy enough. Architecture. That was the new post-war Britain, to rise out of the rubble of the rocket bombs. The rocket bombs. This kind it. of concrete landscape rising up in, 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 in alluvial... Essex, it's dreamlike yeah. it's dreamlike there is something uh, vibrant and optimistic about Ilford I, I, I think so, I, I've always liked Ilford actually, well apart from that time we came through on the train in 1971 of where I thought it was a dump apparently at the time that Thomas Burke
0: came out here, which I think it's was the early 20s someone had uh, crowned Ilford the Eastern Queen
1: I think that's a lovely phrase. I think we ought to use that as the um, title for the radio programme. A visit to the Eastern Queen. I think that is beautiful. I couldn't better that,
0: definitely. He obviously was calling that epithet into doubt.
1: Yeah, but he was a bit of a (laughs) burk.
0: Well, there you heard us, perambulating the streets of the Eastern Queen. Um, Nick referenced there the rocket bombs... Uh, that landed on Ilford. Ilford seems to have suffered particularly badly from uh, V1 and V2 rocket attacks in the Second World War. Do you know what that is, Nick? Oh, there's a map here in this wonderful book called A Potted History of Ilford, and it was initially published in the Ilford Recorder uh, in 1945, the 4th of October, 1945, and it's a map showing uh, all the sites where V1s and V2s landed on Ilford, and it's peppered with them, absolutely peppered with them. Do you know why it was such a target for rocket bombs? I've put you on the spot there. I should have asked you. That's
1: anything. fine. I, I I think looking at the dates might guide you. Certainly, from about mid June 1944, London generally mm-hmm. had a lot of hits from rocket bombs. And then at one point, the. Oh, these rocket bombs or fly bombs we're talking about here? For fly bombs and rocket the bombs. V1s, doodle bugs, yeah. yeah. Well, from about mid June 1944, London was hit very heavily by the doodle bugs. And then at one point, the government managed to mislead the German armed forces into diverting the doodlebugs slightly south, which is why South London generally gets hit, generally was hit a lot by uh, doodlebugs. But I suspect that another factor might be uh, belts of anti aircraft guns and balloons and also mosquito fighter planes bringing down the doodlebugs and them crashing Um. on Ilford, and Ilford, in a way, perhaps being sacrificed for. London, which is obviously more important, uh, certainly I think it is, but uh, I'm only joking. My favourite anecdote from that, favourite anecdote
0: from the rocket bombs attack, my favourite moment during the Blitz, uh, as if I remember it well, something I read in the book, in January 1945, a V2 uh, fell behind the stage at the Ilford Hippodrome and it burst a water tank above the orchestra. But they carried on playing their performance of Robinson Crusoe. That's the Ilford spirit. Hey, the Ilford fighting spirit. After that, Hitler knew the game was up. Um... And in the First World War, I thought this was interesting, the very, the, the, there were Zeppelin raids over London during mm. the First World War. Massive Zeppelins, weren't they? They were enormous great things, 500 yards long or something And like that.
1: also flew a lot faster than people realised, about 80 miles an hour. Mm. And the first one to be shot
0: down, because we weren't very successful at bringing them down, there was um, a pilot who took off from
1: Ilford. There was a, uh, Landing ground number three was established outside Ilford, and the guy was a self-trained pilot. That would be uh, Captain Leith Robinson and he shot down the L2 Zeppelin over Cuffley some miles to the north. Um, Leith Robinson eventually succumbed to Spanish flu after the First World War and is buried in Weldstone Cemetery. Um, Incidentally, Kathleen Rain ran out into the street and saw the Zeppelin burning in the sky miles away. She thought it was a lot closer than it actually was. And this is a woman who didn't think that there was any visionary component to Ilford. Who amongst us today can say that we've seen a burning zeppelin tumbling to the ground? Uh, Only when Jimmy Page caught fire. Uh,
0: (laughs) Sorry. sorry, He's never caught fire to my knowledge. Um, We're going to go do a very quick kind of quick fire bit of uh, Ilford trivia. Um, Nick, you go first because you you were the trivia king about uh, two minutes
1: ago. That's because I looked on the Nowhere Guide Cringing Cult of Celebrity website today and I found out a few little interesting tidbits about Ilford. Uh, according to one uh, commentator, Roy Rogers and his famous horse Trigger appeared at the Pioneer Market in the 1950s. Well, I, I'm
0: going to go with one I haven't read down. Morrissey played the Ilford Island in
1: 1995. Oh, bet that cheered everyone up. Did you know that Jane Mansfield opened The Fate in Valentine's Park on at least two occasions in the 1960s? I
0: don't. Didn't know that. Also, I don't know what the Kenneth Moore Association is. We know the theatre in Ilford is called the Kenneth Moore Theatre, and sloppy researchers that we are, we didn't actually look into his association. But I love Kenneth Moore, as I'm sure many of our listeners do.
1: A complete skull of a mammoth was unearthed in 1860. On the site of uh, where, where Boots is now in the High Street, on the site of Boots Chemists, that was one of the most
0: significant fossil finds in the United Kingdom, as were the, the they found crocodiles, turtles, bison, and what else? Jimmy oh. Page and Jimmy Page. <laughs> Poor old Jimmy, he's done nothing to us, hasn't he, Jimmy Page? Well, we're going of head... a fossil. He's a bit of a fossil there you go uh, we're going to head back now to the Eastern Queen for a final walk around the streets um, we're going to play out with this field recording thank you to you for listening thank you to Europa 51 and Haley Le Payne and here we go back out trying to find our way into Valentine's Park and uh, you know we get there eventually
1: why are you not in any way referring to the fact that you've managed to get us totally lost? I've not, but I was totally lost.
0: I think you have. I haven't at all. I think you have. Look, I think it's
1: still, I can hear voices the other side of those houses.
0: I mean that's the park.
1: Oh I see.
0: These houses have the kind of look of houses that are near a park. It's that kind of ironwork around the front door, kind of latticey ironwork.
1: Yeah, but I just saw a sign <laughs> saying welcome to Hodderston. So I think you've totally misled us, totally.
0: Well hopefully you'll see a sign saying welcome to Cranbrook Park because that's the area now that we're
1: um, uh, entering um, into. Kathleen Rain lived on the Cranbrook estate.
0: It's another one of those little areas, isn't it, where someone could say, oh, I'm from Cranbrook, and you wouldn't have a clue, (laughs) you know. I'd never heard of Cranbrook until I looked at a map to walk over here. The other week, and realised that Cranbrook was next to Aldersbrook.
1: But Look. this is the thing about this is the thing about London. If we shift our boundaries a little bit and say this is broadly part of a larger London, is that there's so many places I've not only never visited, but I've never even heard of them. Yeah. And it's the city I've lived in and grown up in all my life.
0: Yeah. So, well, that's the premise of the book that hopefully we'll talk about in the show. You know, um, the outer circle rambles in remote London. It is that premise that Londoners don't really associate with the neighbouring suburbs. They don't even, a lot of times they don't even know of them.
1: Yes, the idea that London, the uh, centre of the empire, could each actually have its own remotenesses. I love that idea of uh, rambles in remote London, remote London. The very
0: idea of there being a remote London. yeah. When you say, I've just been to Cranbrook, to somebody who lives in Crouch End.
1: I like to tell people I've been to Tockington. Talking to, I've been to talking to. Well, them. it's mentioned in the Doomsday Book. It's just um, north of Wembley, and do you know Bowes Park? I do know Bowes Park. Yes, my mother lived near there.
0: Yeah. There's, a, there's quite a few places in that book um, that I've never, I've never heard of.
1: It's actually quite cold. My fingers are cold. Yeah, I put my gloves on. And I don't generally you. get cold fingers. Mind you, it is
0: you know second of January, so should be cold. I think this road is going to go on for miles. You're not going to find a turning into the No,
1: No, there's a left turning up ahead. Look, see it? Ah. About three miles up ahead.
0: Ah, here we go. Here's the entrance to the park. Yes, Mr. Rogers. Yes, Mel- Mr. Melbourne Road. Melbourne Road. Am I right or am I right? You're right that it's a park. <laughs> this park Burke says uh, is one of the finest natural parks in London in all of London although he really does detest Ilford he, uh, he really does love this park I,
1: it's I wonder a, if it was more wooded in those days than it yeah, is now yeah,
0: like maybe I think he found it full of young people whereas he found the, the high street devoid of young people in very sort of As he describes them, half happy people in the high street. Nick, is is this the Bishop's Walk?
1: Yeah.
0: Right, that's lovely.
1: The Cranbrook. This is the Cranbrook Corridor. The Cranbrook Corridor. That's rather dramatic, isn't it? And there's the other one, it's called the Woodland Corridor.
0: Long water. So we're actually not walking towards the mansion though, we're walking away from it.
1: And that's called the wash and that's where it floods very often out into Cranbrook Road. We really need to uh, go right at the uh, right before the bandstand. No, we need to get out onto Cranbrook Road and go up this way. Well, well we should walk through the park, so, um, to the mansion. Alright, yeah, let's do it.
0: So I've just come across a large, a large stone here in the park near the house, near the large house, Cranbrook House and there is um, a carved tablet on it which is very old, the writing's worn away now I'm wondering whether this is the stone casket they talked about in uh, village London published, I think 1880s where uh, a skeleton, a human skeleton was was dug up in the grounds here, near an old stone urn containing human bones as well. And that was buried in a stone casket near the house. The remains, they thought the remains were Roman. and may have had some relationship to uh, Uphall Camp, which is not far from here in Barking, on the outskirts of Barking. Well, this, this could well be it. All covered in green lichen and bird droppings as well. This is where I need Nick to come and pour cold water on my claims but he's nowhere to be seen. There's the old park gates there. I suppose there would have been the gates to the house. When you walk through Nick, if you were to walk out of those gates funnily enough and walk pretty much straight across, you'd end up at uh, old Wanstead house which at one point was one of the largest houses in Europe and that's pretty much straight through there you'd have to cross over the uh, North Circular, no it wouldn't be the North Circular would it, whatever the A road is that comes down. Would it be Eastern Avenue? Right it may well be, it comes down from South Woodford. I think it's Eastern Avenue. Cuts across Wanstead and on the other side there would be uh, one of the approaches to what was Wanstead House. Thank <smart noise> you.